Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Um, as he said, my name is Sarah, and I belong to him. Um, and if it's your very first time here, uh, I just want to say a special welcome to you and let you know you have walked into the most unique, uh, amazing, transparent, unusual, welcoming, amazing body and community of believers that I've ever been a part of. Um, and Aaron and I have been the pastors here for a little over three years. And every single week, you guys just continue to amaze me. I'm, we're just so honored to be a part of New Community Church here, and I'm so thankful to be able to stand up here in front of you all this morning. Uh, and uh, it's pretty cool when, I don't believe in coincidences, so it's neat. Um, when Aaron asked me to speak, I started praying, you know, just asking God maybe what he would want me to speak about. And he led me to a study that I actually began a couple of years ago and have been kind of studying through, which I realize makes me sound really spiritual and academic. Uh, I promise I'm really not that great. Um, but I, when something bothers me, and it tends to come up over and over in my life, I just start looking into it. And I tend to process by writing, and so I like to write a lot and study a lot. And so this topic kind of came up, and when I shared it with him, he said, that's crazy, because I actually spoke from the passage right before that last week. So that's pretty cool. So we've been in the middle of this good news series, as he said. And honestly, how many of you actually open the news app on your phone every day? Anybody? I try to. I try to make myself, but it's pretty depressing some days. Some days it's really stressful. There's just a lot of stuff going on in our world. And um, what's amazing is that it wasn't that different in Jesus' day. Maybe they didn't have a news app, but things were pretty messed up. There was a lot of economic and political turmoil. There was a lot of religious tension. And so when Jesus brought good news to people then, it's totally still relevant and it's still good news to us today because people are people across thousands of years, and issues are issues. And so I think what we're going to talk about today is going to be pretty, pretty uh, relevant and important to everybody in this room. So I'd like to jump right into the scriptures if we could. So if you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible in this room, um, no worries. Just look in the seat in front of you underneath there. There should be a Bible somewhere in there. And you can turn to page 474. And if by chance you don't own a Bible, please take that with you. That's our gift to you. Uh, we've said as a church that scripture is going to shape our lives. We're determined to, to allow scripture to interact with our lives and shape us in the day-to-day. -day. So we would love for you to join us in that, take that Bible with you, and that's our investment in you um, to continue to grow spiritually. So I think what we're going to find today as we interact with this passage is, um, you know, that no matter what we go through, as we continue to submit ourselves to the Lord, we're able to walk in a way that is, is different and unique. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, this is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you 
not of more value than they are. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So true. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this time together this morning, for the opportunity to worship freely together and to look at your word. God, I want to thank you for not abandoning us, not leaving us where you find us, um, that regardless of where we stand in this room this morning, what we believe or how we're living, that you continue to pursue us and to love us with a crazy, awesome love that we can't understand. Uh, thank you for giving us your word that continues to bring truth into our lives to remind us the truth about who you are, about who we are, and about the world around us. And God, I just pray this morning that our hearts and our minds would be open to hear what you have to say, that every single one of us will leave this morning a little bit changed, a little bit challenged, um, to remember what is eternal and what is most valuable in our life and to keep our focus on, uh, on those things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about the good news being that you can trust God. You can trust him. He's got this. And I'd like to take you all on a little journey. See, I've always considered myself a worrier, not a warrior, a worrier. Two letters different, big, big difference. Um, and I kind of have, I would say, probably a fairly good reason for the fact that I've learned to worry over my lifespan. And I'd like to share that with you in a little bit of fun. So music has always been a really big part of my life. So we're going to go on a little musical memory lane journey and maybe bring up some memories from your past as well. So I've shared before that I grew up in a pastor's home. I was the middle of five girls. Yes, five blonde girls, no boys. And um, my father was a pastor for years. Um, music was a huge part of our lives. My dad still to this day can kill uh, a saxophone, can play anything by ear. My mom was a piano player. She sang too. And we were like the proverbial pastoral family, like all of us on stage in matching dresses singing together. Um, and so we always, I mean, I spent hours in front of my dad's record player before it was trendy and eight track player. Anybody? Come on, admit it. You know what it is. Uh, and uh, hours and hours listening to everything from Kenny Rogers to Barry Manilow to Petra. Come on, admit it. Um, Petra to Connie Francis. I mean, my dad had really diverse musical tastes, and I learned a lot from him. But I've also shared before that um, right around my third grade year, things started to shift in my family. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I mean, I was young, um, and I was pretty intuitive. I, I describe it like watching a Texas storm come in. Like, you know, the sky starts to get dark, and you walk out, and you can feel it in the air, like the wind's shifting, and things just feel a little off. And that's how it felt. Something was up, but I didn't really know exactly what. Well, 
what it was is that my dad was severely depressed in the ministry and alone and was succumbing to a prescription drug addiction. And I didn't understand or know any of these things, but during this time, as I'm feeling this stuff going on in my family, uh, music became even more important in my life. It became like this communication avenue for me and Jesus. And I'd spent a lot of time alone. We grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and a town of, I think, 400 people. So I walked all over that town down by Lake Superior. And everywhere I went, I had this little Fisher-Price plastic tape player. Anybody have one of those? With a little microphone on the side so you could sing along and drive everyone crazy. And um, for those of you youngsters in the room, a tape is a plastic box that has this brown stuff in it that the music is on. And um, after a while, the songs run out and you have to actually take it out and flip it over and then it plays some more music and on a really good tape you got about 10 or 11 songs and so I carried these this tape player with me everywhere and my favorite artist of the day was Salty the singing songbook anybody know who Salty is the weirdest mascot anyone could have come up with a blue songbook that sings and talks to kids about Jesus okay but I loved Salty and this song just meant so much to me during that time. It says, I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And anytime I don't know what to do, I cast all my cares upon you. And as a little nine-year-old girl, I honestly had no idea what it meant to cast my cares on Jesus. But something in that just clicked with me. And I knew that whatever was going on in my family and whatever was coming my way, I had to keep this connection with Jesus going somehow. So fast forward, I grow up, I move out of the kitty music phase, you know, I'm a preteen, I've got it under control. And I'm in fifth and sixth grade, and I learn to just put a good face on things. Like, bad crap's gonna happen, but, you know, fake it till you make it, smile your way through, and in comes Bobby singing. You guys know this song? Right? I mean, you just can't stop moving. Don't worry. Be happy. It doesn't matter what's going on. Just lean into some reggae. And there's probably some other things that went along with this music to some people. But I learned to lean into it. Just fake it. You know, smile. Life stinks at home, but when you're out and about, just pretend that everything's okay. And then I became a teenager, and I knew all about life. And it was perfect timing because I grew up and was a teenager in the early 90s when grunge took over the world. A lot of flannel, a lot of distorted electric guitar, and so much angst you could barely contain it. Everybody wore their feelings on their sleeve, and we were Generation X, so we could do whatever we wanted to. And everything was really melancholy. And for me, that included a little Nine Inch Nails, a little bit of Nirvana, and a lot of R.E.M., Everybody hurts, right, sometimes. Tears, nights crying with my friends of this song. Life stinks. No matter what you do, nothing's going to work out. Parents are horrible. Just, everything's bad. And it was all okay because everybody was melancholy during the 90s. And I know this is all a, maybe a little bit goofy, but I wanted to give you guys a picture of why worry kind of wove its way into my life. All this stuff's going on in my family that I can't control. And I'm a kid, and there's these, you know, flows of culture going on. And I just 
learn to just try to fix and control everything around me that I possibly can. But it doesn't last. It doesn't work. And the reality is that what we're talking about this morning with trusting God, this is, this is real stuff. Like, the problems that we have in our lives are, are real. Uh, we can't brush them off. And honestly, a lot of time in church I spent thinking that I needed to just ignore everything and just have faith, you know, push through. And that's not true. God recognizes that the fears we face every day are real. They're not irrational most of the time. Um, they're things that we're going through that are real and matter, but God has given us a way to, when we submit our lives to him, when we submit our fears to him, to live in a way that means we might feel afraid, but we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live afraid of what tomorrow is going to bring. So let's go to the passage here, and let's look at, okay, you know a little bit about me now and my worry habits. So look, let's look at the people Jesus was talking to here. These are Jews, and we've been talking about this, you know, again, this passage for a couple weeks, so you might have heard this, but we know that things were pretty jacked up in their time, okay? They're living under a Roman regime that is pretty messed up and very controlling. So their lives are not up to their own choosing. And not only do the Romans control their daily lives, but they also control their finances because historians estimate they were taxed up to 70% of their income. I know you think your taxes were bad. They're not that bad. And a lot of times tax collectors, and this is why if you read throughout the scriptures and you see people talking about tax collectors like they're prostitutes, they pretty much were close because to them, they stole money from people. They'd take a little skim off the top. So you're losing around 70% of your income. And then remember that Jews observe the tithe. They worship with, by giving 10% back to God like we do. So at the end of the day, you have about 20% of your income to provide for your family. Imagine what that would be like. So these people are facing their very real fear. When Jesus is saying, hey, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you drink, what you're going to wear, those are real fears for them. This wasn't theoretical or hypothetical or unrealistic, but what Jesus was trying to show them was some very powerful truth about what worry and anxiety does in our lives and does to our faith. So let's look at it. The first thing Jesus teaches us about worry is that worry does not add value to our lives. It distracts us. It doesn't add value to our lives. Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? We know now, because of modern technology, that worry, chronic stress, actually steals from your life. I read a study this week that said men who live under chronic stress or worry are twice as likely to die from cancer. Twice as likely. And we know, like our physicians tell us, that chronic stress is horrible for our immune system. It makes you more likely to have serious diseases and illnesses like diabetes, like cancer, like heart disease. It steals our health away. It steals our moments away. One commentator says this, There is scarcely any one sin against which our Lord Jesus more largely and earnestly warns his disciples than the sin of disquieting, distracting, distrustful cares about the things of life which are a bad sign that both the treasure and the heart are on the earth. Because just a few verses earlier, and we talked about this last week, Jesus challenges us to store up treasures in heaven, not treasures here on earth, right? Because we can only have one master. We cannot serve two. We will either serve God or mammon is the word that they use. It's not just money. It represents the physical things that we attach ourselves to in this world. Either they will have our heart or God will. We cannot serve both of them. 
And so Jesus knows we have this natural bent, this natural tendency to grab on to what we can touch, to what we can see, what we can feel. And he's trying to raise our eyes and remind us, worrying, anxiety, it, it doesn't add to our lives. It distracts us from what is most important. The second thing Jesus teaches, worry reflects small faith. I'd even say worry reflects weak faith. Um, my mentor, she describes faith like a muscle. It, in order to get stronger, it has to be used, right? And we know this, like faith is something, we can't just say we believe something. If you truly believe something, it shifts the way that we act. It shifts our behavior. And so as we act in faith, as we use that muscle, it becomes stronger and stronger. But the what ifs, the little worries, what if I don't get that promotion? What if my career never goes anywhere? What if my kids never get their crap together? What if I never make it out of this tiny, horrible little house? What if my life doesn't turn out the way that I want it to be? They're all little things just pinging against that muscle, making it weaker and weaker. And then when something big happens and we go to use that muscle, it's weak and we don't know why. And it's not because we made some big mistakes. It's because over and over in our minds, we have allowed these tiny little things to break away and chip away the faith that's in our life. So let's practice this. Think about this. Who in here chose your birthday? Who in you chose to be born? Anybody? Oh, we know we didn't. Okay, you're here because your parents chose and because God chose. And if you think it's only a human choice, ask any mother who cannot have a child if her desire alone has brought her that wish. God breathed to make you alive, to create you, because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not here by accident. God gave you the life that you're living, the breath in your lungs. We can't control it, and we know this, right? God gave you the body that he gave you. Okay? He has sustained you. You came into this world, and could you do a thing for yourself? All the mothers of infants said, heck no. Right? I mean, think about this. You come into the world, and you can control nothing. Your entire existence is dependent upon other people taking care of you. But God provided that. God provided that for you. So God has given us our breath. God has given us our bodies. And so if he can continue to give those things to us, why would we question that he's going to continue to provide? So let's take this even further. All of us in this room have lived in sin. We've turned our backs on God. And that's, I know, whether you're thinking you grew up in the pew like me, chewing on the back of a wooden pew, uh, or you grew up in a quite different situation, whether you were in a pastor's house or, or a business person's house or whatever your home up, upbringing looked like, all of us at some point said, I've got this, God. I really don't need your help. I, my way is better. Go ahead and stay over here. And that sin, that pride of saying, I don't need you, broke our relationship with God. And he couldn't stand it. So what does he do? Wait for us to fix it? No, he decides to step down from heaven to wrap himself in weakness, to take the punishment for our sin upon himself, and to make a way to restore our relationship with him. So we trust God with the beginning of our life. And we trust God with our eternity. Can we trust him with tomorrow? Can we trust him with today? If he has been faithful before, he will continue to be faithful. He has a great track record. Number three, Jesus teaches, when we put God's kingdom in the center of our lives, everything else falls into place. See, we only have a given amount of energy every day, right? Those of us who are anchoring up in the decades are 
saying, yeah. Uh, when I remember when I was in my 20s, I mean, I could pull all-nighters all the time, all the teenagers. I'm like, I'm constantly having to remind my kid, go to bed early or get to bed. But as I've gotten a little bit <clears throat> older, I've realized my energy doesn't last quite as long every single day. And you can push it a little bit, but eventually you run out, right? You hit a wall. And so we know this. We, we know we only have so much physical energy, but you also only have so much emotional energy. You only have so much creative energy. You only have so much to invest every day. And so when you take today's energy, today's emotions, and you invest them in tomorrow's problems or yesterday's issues, you don't have enough left to make it through today, the things that God has entrusted to you today. And so when you get home from work at the end of the day, you don't understand why you're so exhausted that you don't want to take care of the body God's given you or you don't want to spend time and invest in your marriage and your spouse or why you don't have enough emotional energy left to have an actually deep discussion with your teenager or invest in the life of your children. And it's because we've wasted all of the energy worrying about what's going to come tomorrow or what happened yesterday. We don't have enough left for today. The word Jesus uses in this verse, I thought this was really interesting. When he says seek the kingdom of God, he's not saying like hide and seek. The word actually kind of more means pursuing, like an active, ongoing process of pursuing and centering on the kingdom. So what Jesus is telling us is, put me in the center. Center your life not on the things that you see around you, but on the eternal things, the things that will last, on me. And let me take care of everything around the peripheral. And we've probably all had this experience, right? Something that we thought, man, I know this is going to go this way. Like, I know exactly how this is going to work out. And it, it turns out a little bit different. And on the other side, we go, man, I did not know what I was talking about. I'm glad Jesus knew what he was doing because he worked that all out for me. Um, and that's what happens. When we put our focus and our center on Jesus and he works everything else out, our perspective is healthy and things work out the way that they're supposed to. So, if you're like me, at this point, you're sitting in here saying, I understand. I know I don't want to live in worry. I don't want to live in anxiety. I'm not trying to. It just happens. But what in the world, how do I practically make this happen? What does this look like in the everyday? I'm a very practical girl, okay? I like bullet points. So what I did when I was studying this is I went back to that song that I learned when I was a little girl. Cast all my cares upon you, I lay all my burdens on your feet. It's actually based on a Bible verse in 1 Peter. So we're going to turn over there, and I'm going to walk you through something really incredible I found. And here's a little Bible study tip that I learned in all my years of Bible school, that extensive degree, is that when you want to study something, look at a verse, but look at what's before it and what's after, okay, to read the whole thing and get the picture. And what I found I thought was really, really interesting. 1 Peter, we're looking at chapter 5. Verses 6 through 9. This is what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So little context here, Peter is writing now years, decades after Jesus talked to the church. And he's writing to not just one church, but churches scattered and Christians scattered across the then known world. And what was happening is the church was being persecuted at this point. 
Christians are being dragged out and murdered in the streets. Um, They're taken into coliseums. It's a really scary time for people who believe in Jesus. But they're trying their best to carry out this mission they feel like Jesus gave to them to take the good news that they've been given to other people. But, I mean, not surprisingly, a lot of people's faith is wavering. And so Peter wants to write and encourage these Christians, remember the foundation. Remember what Jesus taught. Hang in there. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. And so here he is teaching them in in probably one of the most difficult situations we could ever think of, that most of us have never experienced anything like. But here's what he teaches them in overcoming worry, and I think it's pretty powerful. Verse 6, he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. The first and probably most important part of eliminating worry in our lives is humbling ourselves. And this is how simple I think it is, is just remembering who God is and remembering who you are. The only thing we probably hate more than being told what to do is being told there's absolutely nothing we can do, right? We don't like being powerless. We don't like being in a situation where we have to throw our hands up and say, I don't know what to do. And you guys know about a month ago, I ended up in the emergency room with one of our kids, and it was the most powerless feeling I've ever felt. I did not know what to do. I'm at the mercy of any doctor or nurse who comes in, and we're going on three, four days of them not really knowing what's going on in his low body, and I'm scared. And every mama in the room knows exactly how scary that is. But sometimes that's the most powerful time that we see God come through in our lives. Because there's something that happens when we go, I don't have this. It's not about giving up. It's about saying, I can't do this on my own. Okay, I don't have this. I need your help, God. Forward motion is impossible without you. And for me, a lot of times what this means is quite literally getting on the floor face down. I'm a little bit of a word nerd. Any other word nerds here that will claim it? Come on. Um, I, I'm an, I was an English teacher in my undergrad, so I love studying words. So I, I looked at the word origin of humble, and it actually comes from the Latin that means lowly or on the ground. And I think it's so fitting because a lot of times the most humble place I can be is just getting face down on the ground going, I don't know what else to do. I, I just need you to take over. I need you to do this. Um, and I think there's a powerful thing about my physical posture matching what my heart is trying to say. So I think you have to find what that means for you. Find how you give up, how you say, God, I I don't know what to do. I remember who you are. You're all powerful, and I remember who I am. I need you. Second, Peter says, give your worries to God. I love that he says cast. We don't really say this. I mean, I guess fishing, cast, but it literally is like throw, okay? Get them away from you. Don't loan them to God. Don't talk to your best friend about how you think that you need to. Just give them to him. Okay, lay them down. Let worry, the fact that you're thinking about something over and over again, be an alarm. I need to talk to Jesus about this. I need to pray. As soon as I'm worried about something, God, I need to talk to you about it. And for me, what this has meant, honestly, a lot of times, I have a little box that I keep in my bottom drawer. And I started doing this years ago. I don't know where I got the idea, but it's worked for me. I, I call it my worry box. So I get little pieces of paper, and I write down something that's driving me nuts that I'm like, I just need it off my plate. And I put a date, and I stick it in my box. And when that thing comes to my mind, I say, nope, it's in the box. not thinking about it, and I'm not problem solving, and I'm not worried about it. I'm just leaving it where it is. And it's really amazing to come back to that box years later and pull things out and go, oh, my gosh, I 
totally forgot that used to be driving me crazy. Like, look what God did in that area when I just left it alone. It's amazing what he can do when we just give him, focus on him, let him take care of it. Number three, watch for your enemy and resist him. Watch for your enemy. This might be kind of new to some of you, honestly, but you do have an enemy. And it is not your spouse and the amount of money she spends at Target. And it is not the medical bill on your counter. And it's not your boss who will not give you that raise that you deserve. You have a very real enemy, and he has a very great plan for your life. And it's this, to keep your relationship with God broken. That's his goal, to keep you away from him. And what breaks any relationship faster than broken trust? We know this in marriage. You burn up trust in marriage, it's going to take you a while to burn that, build that trust bank back up, right? We know this, but why would our relationship with Jesus be any different? If we constantly demonstrate that we don't trust him, it keeps us from having a healthy relationship with him. So watch for your enemy, but how do you resist him? Well, again, it's interesting. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Look at Jesus. He's in the desert. He's being tempted, and he resists with what? A sword with scripture. The, the scripture, the Bible is, is described in the word as a sword of the spirit, meaning it's a weapon. It's something that we can quote, remember, speak out, that is truth. And though we may not understand it, and honestly, sometimes we might struggle to believe it, the more we speak it out, the more we keep it in front of us, the more we say it out loud, the more powerful it is in our lives. So watch, resist. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there's something powerful about that. I keep a scripture on my home screen on my phone. I write it on sticky notes. I put it on my bathroom mirror. I we write it sometimes in the shower. Any way that you can keep scripture in front of you because that truth will ground you. I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for being so patient with me. And I just want to share a quick story. Um, as I was thinking through and, and writing this message, I remembered a really good friend of mine. Um, Whenever I was younger, I was a worship pastor, and um, she was on one of my worship teams and got really, really close. She's wonderful, beautiful voice, and just had a really amazing gift just to, to lead worship, to sing, and, and to love people. And it was really neat to see her growing in her relationship with God and see her family growing. Her daughter was in our youth group, and she also, amazing voice, just so gifted. And I got really close to, to both of them. Um, but a couple of years in, I started noticing her canceling a lot and not being available and, and missing church quite a bit. And so I got in touch with her and she said, yeah, I've got a promotion at work. It's been eating up a lot of my time and I'm really, I'm, I'm going to get back. Like I, I have intention, I'm going to get there. And um, she didn't. Uh, a couple months later, I mean, I never saw her. And she said, oh, you know, we decided to remodel the house and um, we're really excited, a lot of projects going, it just kind of ate up our weekends, and so eventually, you know, she never came back, and her faith withered away. And I say that not as a religious thing, it was obvious, the, the way that their lives were going, their family started to struggle, their marriage started to struggle, their daughter wasn't active in youth group anymore, was really struggling, and they weren't getting along, and there were parenting issues, and it spiraled into this mess, and it breaks my heart even today because there wasn't one thing, you know, it wasn't one big decision that she made. It was lots of tiny decisions, just getting distracted, building my own little kingdom here that I can control and focusing on this. And it took her eyes off of what mattered and it cost, it cost them in ways that they couldn't have imagined. 
And I know, I know that there's probably somebody in this room this morning that this is, this is really hard. I'll be honest, this is really hard for me. This is something, again, that I've been studying because it's, it's difficult. But I promise you that worry eats your life. It takes away your ability to focus on what truly matters. And that is this. You are a child of God. And he loves you immensely, immeasurably more than you can imagine. He's trustworthy. He's a good father. You can trust him with your yesterday. You can trust him with your eternity. You can trust him with tomorrow. Let me pray for you all this morning. Jesus, I thank you so much again for your word, God, that it anchors my life. And God, you know that um, this is just hard. You know, the things we see and feel, uh, they're hard to, uh, to just give to you and allow you to take. But we acknowledge this morning that you're trustworthy. You have a great track record. You are faithful. God, I acknowledge this morning that you are stronger than I am. And you see more than I can see. And you know more than I can know. And I'm utterly, completely dependent upon you. This morning, I pray for every one of us in this room, Lord. Maybe there's a dad here today that needs to remember that you are his father. And no matter what his earthly father looked like, you are a good, faithful, loving, caring father. Maybe, God, there's a mama in this room today that needs to be reminded that you love her baby more than she does. And you've got him in the palm of your hand. She doesn't have to worry. She can trust you. But God, no matter what our worries are this morning, no matter what is eating up those thoughts in our mind, I pray, Lord, we're able to submit them to you, to trust you, God, that though we might feel afraid, we will not walk in fear. We will walk in faith and trusting that you are good and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.